Welcome to Christ Community Shawnee Podcast. My name is Joseph Lugs. I'm with Timothy Spanberg. Hey. What's your middle name? I'm not telling you. Oh, man. I knew. I was going to just drop a, like a random letter. Just Timothy T. That's what you're... you're nah. <laughs> I'm not, it's not TT. I don't know, man. That's I wouldn't put it past Mikey in. Mikey... Yeah, that's my mom's name. So my, my middle name is Michael. Really? It's Michael from Mikey. My mom's full name is Michael Lane. So people call her Mikey, and then I got my middle name is Michael from my mom. So Timothy Michael Spanberg, yeah. welcome. We're on the show with him. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about Revelation, which is important because, Tim, you were just reading Left Behind. What, what were you doing <laughs> earlier? Or was it Nick, Nicolas Cage? You were watching his remake? What's in the bag? A shark or something? I think the question when you get to the book of Revelation is, was Kirk Cameron's vision of Left Behind better than Nicolas Cage's? Everything in the movie is on fire. I think the obvious answer is Nicolas Cage is always the better actor. Well, I didn't say better actor. I just don't know what you mean by that. If you're going to watch an end of the world movie on Revelation, do you want to watch it with Nicolas Cage or Kirk Cameron? I think there's no doubt you want to watch it with Nicolas Cage. That's absolutely right. I think you'd want to be at the end of the world with Nicolas Cage. More so than Kirk Cameron. That's absolutely yeah. right. That's high praise. <laughs> Another hot start. <laughs> so, Tim, why, why are we doing this? Why are we, why are we talking about Revelation right now? You just, just did like 13 classes or something ridiculous on Revelation, and now here we are making me teach the class on it. What's, what's going on? Why are we talking Revelation? Mostly to annoy you, so that you have to teach a class you don't want to take. It is the hardest book to understand, and it's, I think, good repetition of what the book is is always important. Yeah. So that, one, we won't not read it. When we did the Revelation series, I was surprised how many people said to me, or I heard this from other campus pastors, I just don't read Revelation because I don't even, I don't even want to get into it. It's just, it's just, it's just too much. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was disheartening to me because I think it's a really rich book, but it takes work to understand. So I think... Just the more we hopefully can give people some handles on how to read it, people will actually try to engage it. Honestly, when we went through it, I think I taught one sermon in it and then taught a couple of classes. And it was just so good for me to just work through the book again. And then just to hear over and over John saying, for those who read this, for those who hear these prophecies, it is a blessing. It is a blessing. We're missing a blessing on our life if, if we don't read Revelation. And yes, we have to be honest with ourselves that there's some kooky stuff in there, and people have done some <laughs> even kookier things with it. But, I mean, the, the vision of Jesus in Revelation 5, you know, the, the throne room, yeah. the, the impending judgment, the impending salvation, the, the most beautiful scene in, in maybe all of Scripture in Revelation 21 mm-hmm. of, of being in the garden again. Mm-hmm. And the way it ties together all you know all these key themes in scripture and bringing it to a close, we miss out on a lot of beauty if we're not willing to dive in and take the risk of reading it. So I'm with you, man. It's it's important. But I I really you know as I thought about you know preparing for this podcast, I think I just wanted to reflect with you on the progression or the things we've learned from that series that we did all last fall. I mean, you think about when we did it. I don't even know if we even realized what season of life we were in, but Mm -hmm. we were six months in, maybe just under that, into the pandemic, going into an election 
that was really difficult for a lot of people that, you know, now looking back has resulted in continual, you know, political strife through January 6th. I mean, it, it, a political season that lasted for a long time. And, and Revelation, a lot of people miss this, is, is a heavily political book. Mm-hmm. And, and w- one of the things that it is almost primarily, right, the speech against Rome. And so I'm just curious now being months away from having finished that series what about your perspective of how you've seen the world, how you've seen the church, how you've understood politics or even revelation? How has that transformed and changed the way you see things or the way you see revelation? It, what we did enter into that book at the right time. I think to understand it in fresh ways, there's probably a few things that I continue to think about in terms of how I've, I've processed the last year as well as revelation. And one is... Satan is named as a deceiver. Yes. And so much of the book deals with how the church is deceived. How Satan's strategy is not like an alternative universe, but a, a deception within this universe. So I think the most powerful image for me to think of his work is, I think it's Revelation 12 and 13, the, the knockoff trinity, the two, two beasts and the yes. dragon, yes. and how that's clearly the language referring to each of those characters. One is language is similar of the Father, one is language similar of the Son, one is language similar of the Spirit. So this this knockoff trinity and, and Satan being named as the deceiver and accuser of, of the world, and just seeing how deception is playing such a significant role within our own, our own society. And, and here's the thing, I think probably people are thinking right now, to that statement in their own kind of partisan particular lens of Mm -hmm. like, oh, you mean this? And it's like, no, I just mean every person, it is so easy to believe something or come to a view of the world that's not in touch with reality. I don't know if you've seen these deep fake videos, like where you can, like I just saw like this video of this guy who was pretending to be Tom Cruise and it looked like Tom Cruise. And listen, I don't care about Tom Cruise. But it, that freaked me out. It's like, what, what else could you? Or I also saw on Twitter uh, today, uh, someone took a bunch of images of Frederick Douglass and made him like move, like like an animation. Yes, and it looked so real. Wow, and a picture of him so so th- this like deep fake, this deception. Listen, I think what I would say is, I think people even in our most respected institutions are more concerned with pursuing and pushing an agenda and a narrative that benefits their own cause than they are pursuing truth. Now, I think that's a part of what our own society is breaking down around, whether that's the media or political partisan causes. Just how much deception is out there, uh, that just uh, that resonates with me. Yeah. Um, and again, I listen, if you're hearing me say that and say, oh, that means Tim means believes this or he's on this side, it's like, no, I, I just, I see it on all sides. Um, yeah the trouble and the problem around people coming to see the world in a way that is requires a lot of deception. So let me push you here because I'm number one, I'm totally with you, but in another sense, I think this is what I've seen people take this because it'd be easy to take what you just said and and go to this place. But basically having that understanding or that view can easily lead to then validating conspiracy. (laughs) So what would you say to someone who is into conspiracy ideas, especially around politics, and then says back to you, yeah, Tim, I'm, I'm, 
I'm doing exactly what you said, which is knowing that there is so much deception in the world that there's an enemy trying to deceive us. And one of the primary ways they're trying to deceive us is, is through politics. And so what we see, what the news is reporting, all these things, it's a lie. And people end up getting into conspiracy. So what, what's the difference between what you're saying and conspiracy? Where I would start is we tend to, so what ultimately conspiracy theories do is say, I have the truth and everyone else has it wrong. And I think what Revelation does is reminds us we have a supernatural enemy who has a plan for all of us to deceive us. So I need to be very aware of my own propensity to want to be lied to and deceived into a vision of the world that will, you know, suit my ends or will confirm what I hope is is true. And why I think, why I, I've just become increasingly skeptical of just engaging the outside world. That sounds terrible. But like why I'm, I'm so restrictive in terms of who I listen to and very, very much like guard who I let into my life in terms of voices because I recognize that there's a propensity for my own self to be deceived. And I think a lot of what mm-hmm. we do is we try to, we, we are very aware of the way other people are being deceived without ever having a, a strong awareness of our own propensity to be deceived and the fact that there's a supernatural enemy let loose in the world whose primary aim and will be successful, Revelation says, with even like people within the life of the church, people professing Christians, to deceive them out of the way of Jesus and into a false and destructive um, way. So I'm probably less interested in getting into, well, where's the conspiracy now? Where, who do we need to, you know, let's let's start deciding what's good and what's, it's like, no, 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 no. I, I think I'm more interested in starting with myself and then encouraging Christians to really, to really challenge where are you seeking for truth? Right. Because there is a, the Bible is very clear, a supernatural source who is very brilliant, <laughs> like Satan's not dumb, like he's, mm-hmm. a, he's a supernatural being who is brilliant, who can make videos that make it look like Tom Cruise is inviting you to follow him on Twitter, and it's not Tom Cruise, it's some weird dude in his basement, so get off Twitter. So let me, I'm going to continue to press in with you, because this is good. And part of this comes out of people who are, are close to me, who will read, and, and they were discipled in a environment where... It was a lot of, you know, reading Revelation with the newspaper in hand, you know, trying to find out where the mark of the beast is. Is it in this thing or this vaccine or whatever? And and so I just know I know people who, who will hear that and then be worried and think, you know, that they're they're going to be deceived. You know, the, the, mm-hmm. the end the end is here and I'm I'm afraid I'm going to be deceived. Do you think that that we should walk away from Revelation? feeling that way you know as as you talk about deception and 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 the power uh, and the brilliance of of satan is that is that how we should feel like oh man i hope i don't get duped at the end in a short sense no like we shouldn't as christians be constantly afraid we're going to get get duped into hell while also being very sober i mean this is what peter says about the evil one be sober-minded and ready to resist the devil at all turns so there, I think there's a soberness alongside a confidence. So even the image of the mark of the beast, yeah, right. It's like, well, is that a vaccine? Is that cryptocurrency? Is that what? What is that? Um, <laughs> My Bitcoin. No. <laughs> <laughs> if you have Bitcoin, I have bad news. No, it's a uh, that that image, Mark. You know, and I, I did this in the series in the class. Well, then we should start. Okay, what if there's a mark of the beast? What is what does that mean? And in 
as you read through Revelation, believers are marked and have the name of God on their forehead. And so there's a counteracting image for the Christian. So, you know, when we get hung up on, is that a chip in our arms that, well, whatever the mark of the beast is, it's corresponded to the mark of a Christian, which is, I, I, want, I want to say it's the name on the forehead, um, but it's, it's God marking us. So whatever the mark of the beast is, it's not something we're going to be fooled into if we're marked on our forehead by the name of God. So in one sense, if you're a Christian, like you have security and we should have confidence in that. And yet, I think revelation opens us to a world that I think if if we if we can look at the last year in a nonpartisan way, which I think is actually probably impossible for all of us sure. now. But I think you could see some themes in revelation playing out in pretty significant ways. That doesn't mean we're about to take the mark of the beast, but does mean that Satan's plans are pretty, pretty normal. He wants to get us caught up in a world where we're overly invested in the political realm, uh, where we are focused more on the things of this world and security than we are in the kingdom of God. And I don't know if that's an answer to your question, but that, that's some of what I've... No, that's good. And I, and I think that's one of the takeaways that I had from the series is you know, like talking about deception and how how Satan works in the world is that even trying to be clear about that, people can go different ways or, or become afraid or or it ends up at the doorstep of conspiracy. And you're like, no, that that's not that's not what we're getting at. Or at least that's that's not what I'm trying to get at with the book of Revelation. And I and I think even the whole mark of the beast thing, yeah, there's in a certain sense, you know, Revelation is is scary. It's the apocalyptic imagery. It's it's dragons. It's it's, you know, the the feast of the lamb is birds coming down and eating flesh. Like, you're not supposed to read that and be like, oh, this is chill. You know, Revelation 19, <laughs> we're just hanging. But at the same time, it, it, it's, if you are worshiping Jesus and Jesus alone, number one, that that is the key sign that, that you're not deceived, right? If Jesus is is your king, then number one, that, that's a check off the box. You're, you're doing okay. Right. But then, you know, the more subtle things, which is a big thing that we talked about is, is compromise. You know, are, are you mm-hmm. willing to compromise? Are, are you getting in bed with the beast? I mean, that's that's a huge theme in, in the end of Revelation. Right. Is the is, is the whore, you know, the whore who, Babylon, which is Rome. Like who who has been sleeping with with Babylon? Who's been sleeping with Rome? And really, I, I think what gets at that idea is have you been compromising on Christian ethics for the sake of, of your political gain, which looks like the gain of your party, the gain of, of your agenda, right? Are you going to uh, dismiss the heirs of a person or the heirs of a party for the sake of, of the benefit or, or seeing your party win or your president win, right? It's compromising on Christian values that, that become the sign of deceit, right? So in a certain sense, it's not overwhelmingly complex. Like, it's not like, you're at some church and it turns out that the pastor, you know, was the antichrist. <laughs> like it's not, it's not that kind of deception. Yeah. I, I, at least that's where I'm coming from. Like to me, I, I don't want people to think like if, if you're reading your Bible, if you love Jesus and you're concerned about following Jesus, number one, that, that's a huge sign that, that you're not deceived. And then the second marker is, man, are, are you giving up things that are clearly Christian values 
for the sake of, of your party, or are you not listening to other Christians who are critiquing you and your party and you're writing them off because you want to see your party win, that, that your allegiance is more to a political figure, is more to a party than, than, than what is in Scripture, what, what, what is truly what it means for Jesus to be king. I think what I've, what I've really felt in the last year is I don't think it's ever been easier as a Christian. And again, I don't think I'm just speaking as like, and I, what I want to be careful of is, is my own past, like I have a pastoral vocation and then I have like Tim Opinions time. Right. I don't know if this is Tim Opinions time or pastoral I'll let, calling. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've never felt like it's been easier to dissociate my Christian witness from the political realm of the current country in which I live. Yeah. And that I, I found elements of either of the primary options for president to deeply conflict with my Christian witness in various ways. I feel like that's a non-controversial statement. I don't disagree with you. But what I'm finding is actually in the last year, Christians on both the right and the left are more attached to their own political vision and if you're not in line with what, I, with what I'm doing or seeing, then it's not just we have firm disagreements, of which I understand. I mean, as someone who's deeply committed to the pro-life cause, I understand voting for a pro-life candidate. You know, as someone who had concerns about uh, issues from the right, I understand people who had those concerns. Like, I, right. I get it. I get the questions from both sides and why a Christian could land on either side of, of the spectrum. And it used to be we could talk about that together. As I read the Bible and land on my convictions, here's where I'm at. Let's talk about this. And what I and I felt like it's never been it should have never been easier to do that, given the options on the table. Right. And I find it's never been harder to do that. And I think that to me is that's Revelation 12 and 13. We are right. so wrapped up in get the bad man out of office or the vision from the right. It has to be this way or else. No, that's so good. And that feels to me less like a Christian vision of the kingdom of God and confidence in Jesus' second coming right. and more a, a vision of politics and political power that we find in Revelation 12 and, and 13 and an overinvestment in the political authorities of this world and a compromising, a getting in bed with powers and values and, and things that are affirmed that a Christian could not affirm, could never affirm. Um, and that's, I, you know, that's the part for me that keeps me up at night is, right. again, I, 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 there's a distinction between my pastoral calling to preach the gospel and my opinions. As a pastor, I sense, like, this is a time when God's really inviting us yes. to not, not totally disengage from the public square. We have some great people here who engage in the public square and want to serve God in that place. And I, we affirm that totally. Um, and yet, I don't think there's been ever a better time now than as a Christian to sort of say, wow, my hope is in the kingdom of God, just period. And that's where I'm investing my time, my energy, my passion, my vision. And that may have implications. I may want to go serve. I'm going to go run for office because of that. And yet, like, I'm going into a world I recognize fully um, as one that is very much at odds with the kingdom of of God. And again, I hope, I, I mean that to be a, non, a nonpartisan statement. Like, that's right. uh, there's no, but even that's been a part of the last year for me is is kind of, a statement like that, a political agenda being read in. Well, this is what you want. This is what you see. It's like, no, man, I, I truly, I truly believe the Lord is on the throne, whoever won on November 3rd and whoever is president right now. I, that, that does not affect the kingdom of God's mission in any way, shape or form, because as bad as it might get in the next four years with whoever was president, 
it wasn't as bad as the, the first century church had in Caesar. Yeah. Um, in Domitian, who was probably the emperor when Revelation was right. written. And that church grew and exploded in growth because they embraced the message of Revelation, which is how do we conquer Satan? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Mm-hmm. For we love our lives not even unto death. Yeah, Revelation 12. I think that's the heart right? of the book. It's the, the blood of Christ is what won victory for us. So our job then is to give word and testimony to the victory of Christ over all evil things and over sin itself. And then we love not our lives even. We're willing to suffer for that message. That's what causes the church to grow. And that should be our heartbeat. And I, I think Satan's hope is we'll forget that and make our heartbeat somewhere else. Yes. Oh, that's so good. And I, and I think maybe I'll take it a step even further that will make people uncomfortable. But I, I, I think what Revelation is getting at is... These political entities, they don't exist in the end. In other words, there's no Republican Party in Revelation 22 and 21. There's no Democratic Party in Revelation 21. There's no America in Revelation 21. That that government... So you're right in the government sense. That's what I mean. In terms of like the culture... Like you break the cultures are brought into the new heavens and new earth. No, no, but no, in no. terms I'm, of like, I'm talking about the political structures. The, the yeah. uh, political structure of America as as a country. Th- there's only there's only one. There's a monarchy. That's <laughs> that that's what we're destined for, and so holding holding on to to parties and and to the salvation of a nation that at the end of the day will will no longer be a reigning authority. What are you? What are you holding on to? I feel like that's different than like culture, although that's a really complex idea of how can you be totally unified in different cultures and yeah, and well, and different languages. My one, things. my one pushback to you would be: yeah, I, I think it's okay. I think I think it's right for people to look at the broader culture we're in and see real problems and lament those, and to say I don't want my country to look like X, and I long for it not to look like X. I, I think that's good. I think that's good. I think the Bible would affirm that. However, what I think ultimately, what I think we're trying to say is, ultimately, we're never going to get the problems we see around us all the way to the kingdom of God, which is why our our hope is, and our investment is in the kingdom of God, not in a particular culture or place. Even while we may work for the good of those around us, pointing them to the the values of the kingdom of, of God, ultimately... We have a very realistic picture. So I would say it's not a, hey, this place is going to not exist in the new heavens and new earth, therefore who cares? We do care, and yet it feels like we've moved to care to such an extent to where do we have the same burning passion for the kingdom of God and its values that we do for the place in which we live Well, And maybe I'll frame it this way, and you can correct it again if if you'd like. I I think what what I'm trying to get at is... It would be against the value of the kingdom to think, oh, you know, the nation and its government structure isn't gonna isn't gonna last. Therefore, who cares? Like that that is actually anti kingdom. Yeah. Right. The king kingdom values is to seek seek the good of our city, is to seek the good of our neighbor through the structures that we've been given. Mm-hmm. But but what I'm what I'm getting at is if you if if something is going to perish in the end. You don't sell your soul to it. Yeah, oh yeah. If 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 sustaining something requires you to give up what is key to the kingdom, then that's a, that's the biggest mistake you'll make. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it will perish. Your party will perish. 
And if, if you are going to compromise on the kingdom of God for something that will perish, then, then we're fools for doing that. Maybe. So you're more, and this is the message of Revelation, no compromise. And I, I think ultimately what makes, what makes it so difficult is, is when you read the compromising happening in Revelation, they wouldn't have noticed it as that. Mm-hmm. And I think it, in our own day, and I include me in this, right? I think I, my hope is this podcast doesn't come across as like, hey, I've got this figured out. You know, y'all need to do it like me. No, 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 no. I think... There can also be a compromise of like, well, I don't really care. You know, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be involved in this. I'm just waiting for Jesus to come back. That's all I care. Like that, could, that could, there's a form of compromise I think that can be in that that spirit as well. And so, that staying tethered to to the kingdom of God and its message and its implications into this world, while recognizing there is a world around me and an enemy I have that wants me to compromise that kingdom for the kingdoms of this world, and I'm gonna live in that tension is, I think, one of the most important messages of, of Revelation, ultimately. There is opportunities to compromise all around me, and if I'm not attentive to those things, um, I'm likely to fall. Yeah, that's good. So if you're listening and we've really made you mad, then go ahead and send Tim Spanberg an email. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's Timothy Michael Spanberg. Timothy, yeah. <laughs> At Christ Community. That church, no, I don't know what. I don't even know what our email domains are. Uh, but yeah, I, I think... I don't know if we've helped people read Revelation better. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, that's why we did a whole series on it. This is mo- this is the this is the reflection. This is the postmortem. This, yeah, this is the reflection. <laughs> uh, with just reminding, I think going back to to the heart of what Revelation is. Revelation twelve eleven. They overcame him, Satan, because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. They did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. See you next time.